Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Before we get started, support for this podcast comes from Boost with Facebook, whose podcast, Boost My Business with David Fisher, features unique perspectives and insight from business leaders and small business owners. Hear stories and anecdotes about businesses just like yours. Gain insight on what it takes to grow a business and learn from both the mistakes and triumphs of others. Download Boost My Business wherever you get your podcasts. That's Boost My Business Podcast. Before we get started, support for this podcast comes from Boost with Facebook, whose podcast, Boost My Business with David Fisher, features unique perspectives and insight from business leaders and small business owners. Hear stories and anecdotes about businesses just like yours. Gain insight on what it takes to grow a business and learn from both the mistakes and triumphs of others. Download Boost My Business wherever you get your podcasts. That's Boost My Business Podcast. Welcome back to another week of Chalk Talk. We changed it up this week. I got to intro. That was exciting. (laughs) I'm McKenna, joined by Taylor Davis. Um, We're here to talk all things gymnastics, college, elite, um, covering all the bases, trying to break things down, talk about highlights from NCAA, um, and just things going on in the elite world. Taylor, how's your week been? My week has been great. Uh, busy as always, but if you're not busy, then you're bored. So I'm happy with it. So uh, we've got a great episode for you. We have a very special guest joining us at the end. Another stacked resume, another gymnast who just puts me to shame in my level of accomplishments <laughs> in my life. We've got Olympian, world champion, one of the most decorated gymnasts in NCAA history, Bridget Sloan is going to be joining us. And this girl, we all three of us are chatty Cathy's. So we've got quite the interview ahead for you guys. So make sure you stay tuned to the end of the show. Well, before we uh, jump into some of our topics, McKenna, you did some broadcasting this week. As we mentioned last week on the show, I've got to hear how your experience was. Oh my gosh, it was so much fun. Fun. It was so fun. It was super nerve wracking at first. Um, I was joined by Olivia Karras. Uh, we've had her on the podcast before, um, a Michigan gymnast alum now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the two of us got to sit down and broadcast for Flow Gymnastics, and it was so much fun. We didn't have any clue what we were doing. We mispronounced so many <laughs> names. We got some gymnasts mixed up. Um, but it's so fast paced, and I have so much kudos for. Taylor and you guys on the other side of things. Um, But once we got comfortable and we kind of were figuring out how things were going, it was just so fun. We got to speak from our hearts and we're so passionate just in general and especially of our sports. So it was a blast. We were, we were joking and we posted on Instagram, like SEC and big 10, like hire us. We're ready. Um, So anyone from SEC is listening, what up? It was so fun. There we go. That's awesome. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Yeah. I, Believe me, I'm the first to tell people while it is an absolute blast, it's a lot harder than it looks. So oh, yeah. as so quick as, on. yeah, and like in gymnastics, what people yes. don't think about in most sports, we have jersey numbers and we have a roster to refer to, to confirm that you have the right person. Then in gymnastics, everyone's dressed the exact same. Their hair is the exact same. They have the same tattoo on their face. Like there is definitely room for error as a broadcaster. So while people are quick to point out flaws, I would challenge anyone to try and do it because it is, it is definitely difficult, but I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's more to come from you. 
Okay, let's dive right on in because we have quite a few topics that we want to touch on and then obviously bring in Bridget. Um, A little bit of elite news that we wanted to mention. Obviously, last week we discussed the Maggie Haney suspension uh, and everything that that was going to entail. Obviously, she is being prohibited from being around any gymnast, um, any minor, and her athlete, Riley McCusker, is 18, but obviously if her coach cannot be in the presence of gymnasts under 18, then she was having to look for something else. So she has gone across the country, literally. She's been training in New Jersey. She is now in Phoenix, Arizona, and she's training actually with Jade Carey, and uh, Jade's dad is coaching her. So interesting. I'm excited for her that she's just kind of settled in because I'm sure at a time like this, like it really is crunch time. So the fact that she's having to have like a change of, of coach and environment, even if it's positive for her, change is still difficult. So uh, I'm glad to see that she's settled somewhere. And I I think that that's, it's going to be a a good situation for her and Jade to kind of be around each other. And and I've heard that things have been fun and light. And I'm I'm hopeful that this is the right situation for Riley. But McKenna, I I have to imagine that that's got its, its challenges with it to change this close to Tokyo. I, I can't imagine either. That's that is quite a shift. I mean, um, not only moving gyms and having new coaches, she's moved states. Like that's a whole yeah. new thing. Um, there are so many complexities that she's going to have to adjust and get used to. I mean, coaching style, training style, um, environment, even the weather, and maybe dietary needs. I mean, there are so many different shifts that Riley's going to have to adjust to. Um, but hopefully, this will make her a stronger athlete. You know, I mean. I'd imagine something this um, extreme right before Tokyo is quite overwhelming. Um, But I would imagine considering the type of athlete that Riley is, um, she's going to be just fine. Honestly, it's kind of good to see her develop this ability to change and adjust because if she does make the Olympic team, you're heading over to Tokyo where a lot is different. So it, it can't. It can affect, you know, your sport. But this is an exciting time. I mean, obviously, we're getting closer and closer to trials and the Olympics. And we all, you know, are eager to see what these girls can do. Laurie Hernandez is still putting out videos. I saw a video she put out the other day on Beam. She looked solid. We talked to Michaela Skinner last week, who is obviously uh, still very high on her skills right now. There's just so much potential and I'm really eager to see how it all shapes out. I am too. I just think there's been so many changes and so many um, just different things that have happened within these past couple of years since, since Rio. I mean, it, it's like kind of coming out of that gate in 2017. We kind of thought we knew who the team was going to be. I mean, we had Morgan Hurd winning worlds, um, then going mm-hmm. to American Cup and winning American Cup and she'll be back for the 2020 American Cup after kind of a, a hiatus with some injuries here and there. Um, but it's been kind of a change up with with who could possibly make the Olympic team. So I'm extremely excited to see who the lucky four are going to be. I agree. Well, we want to talk about the college world just like we did last week. McKenna is going to run through some of her highlights from this past week, some different things that uh, was brought to her attention on social media and things that caught her eye. But before we do that, I actually saw earlier this week that – Obviously, every season, uh, injuries are very prevalent in this sport. There, there's just no way around it. But 
This year, and honestly, any given day, the number could go up. But as of a few days ago, NCAA gymnastics is up to at least 20 Achilles tendon ruptures this season. And I I just think that that is interesting because there's so many different, this is sad, but true, so many different ways to injure yourself in the sport of gymnastics. And the fact that this is the same one that's recurring over and over and over again, like clearly there's a problem. And and I want to get your opinion on this as someone who has dealt with this injury is there anything specific in gymnastics that is it makes this arguably the most prevalent injury? I mean, it's kind of like concussions in football, right? Sure. Because they're going head to head all the time. Like yeah. you guys are putting so much on your lower extremities. I get that. But is there anything about technique that could maybe aid in the occurrence of these injuries? You know, in 2000, God, when did I tear mine? 2018. <laughs> that it was kind of like a repeat of this year. 2018, there were over 27 Achilles ruptures. I mean, it was wow. insane. And, and I didn't know if it was like something that was brought to my attention just because I was dealing with it or if it was just an insane year and a crazy coincidence that this many people were getting injured. And then it kind of seemed like last year everyone kind of got repaired and everyone was okay. And then there's a repeat again of it this year. Um, Unfortunately, no, I, I don't think there's something in training. I don't think there's something you can aid to do to, you know, help yourself. I think it's just an overtime injury. Um, learning from the doctors, the Achilles is a very low restricted blood supplied area. Um, that tendon is massive and gymnastics being such a lower body, hardcore, um, you know, usage, you use your lower half so yeah. much. I think it's just kind of wear and tear. I think it's, um, it de- you know, depending on um, how the gymnast trained before, I think that has a lot to do with it. If you go back, I think it has a lot to do with tumbling and twisting off the floor. Um, so if you're, if you see gymnasts doing like a full in, so on floor, that's a double back with, and you twist the first one, or if you see a double Arabian, which is a half double front out of that, um, I think it has a lot to do with how you're coming out of the floor. And I think over time, if you are continually tweaking that Achilles tendon, there's going to be slight tears and um, some fraying going on. But also you have to remember these athletes are 18 to 22 years old. I mean, they've done the sport for forever. They put the wear and tear on their body and it's, it's almost like it's, it's just a matter of time. And I, I don't think, it's so tricky because I've talked to different athletes who've torn theirs and some girls said, no, my Achilles was never bothering me or it just was hurting that day or it, you know, or it's been bothering me for a month. That, that was the case for me. It had been bothering me. Um, so it's hmm. so, it's so tricky and there's so many complexities to it. I don't think it's an equipment issue either. Some people thought maybe it's the floor. I really think it's just your body over time is just like, peace out. I can't do this right now. I'm going to need a year break. And we'll be back. <laughs> maybe that's true is there any kind of correlation between increase in difficulty and an Achilles rupture most of the the ones that you know about Mm -hmm. were they on more of like a an e-skill on floor or is this something that can just happen randomly I do I think it's both um the ones that I can think off the top of my head I mean um myself um, Courtney McGregor, um, from Illinois, she was, uh, or excuse me, Boise state. I got the colors mixed up. Um, she is from New Zealand. She's been training for the Olympics. Um, so obviously she's been trying to up her difficulty as well. Um, Olivia Karras, 
um, she was doing a double Arabian on floor. She actually tore on a double pike, but again, she still had the e-tumbling pass. So I do think it has to do with more difficult tumbling and pounding. Um, but I mean, it could, it could happen to anything. I mean, like I just right. said, Olivia happened on a double pike, um, an easier skill for her that doesn't even have twisting in it. So I really think it's just, it's a bunch of different things and, um, and it's an unfortunate way for the stars to align. Definitely. And that's not an easy one to come back from. Was there at all a bit of a mental block for you once you started tumbling again? Tumbling, absolutely. And it was, it kind of sucked because floor was my favorite event. I was kind of one of those kids who could just throw anything and I had so much fun doing it. Um, And so it was really a whole new a whole new ball game coming back and, and being a little bit afraid. But to my girls, if, if you've torn your Achilles or if you had any sort of injury, just have the best perspective that you can take one day at a time because this injury was the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, and I want to give it, I just talked about it, but Courtney McGregor, shout out to you. She has handled this so well. She, she tweeted the other day, something about, she, she has a, a seat that she puts in her shower and she's like, shoot, I'm going to keep using this even when I can stand. I love it. I just, <laughs> you, you know, you've got to be funny about it. There's nothing you can't yeah. you can't make that year go any faster. So it's, you might as well enjoy the small victories and take it day by day and focus on what you can control. Also, shout out to the Alabama gymnastics team. Griffin James um, went down with an Achilles injury and, and the, their lineup had to go up and, and finish the meet and they came out so strong. And that's so hard. That is very scary to do when you have one of your teammates go down right in front of you and everyone's kind of shook up and you don't know the severity of the injury and you don't know what the lineup's going to be or maybe the alternate has to go in. I mean, so many shifts can happen. So kudos to the Alabama team for being able to get it together um, and safely finish their meet. That's so true. A couple other things that I wanted to mention before McKenna gives us her highlights. Nebraska has a brand new facility that the gymnastics team has finally moved into. There are videos all over their Twitter. The place looks sick. And I also saw that Denver had their second highest attendance in school history this past week. And I just wanted to mention both of those things because I think we often talk on this show about how important it is that this sport continues to grow and get the platform that it deserves. And I think both of these programs, while they are certainly on the the national radar, right, and they have made names for themselves they're not necessarily the powerhouses like Oklahoma and 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 the Floridas and the UCLA's. They are headed in that direction by all mm-hmm. means. But this proved to me that they are steadily growing and the school is supporting them in that growth because the a new facility takes money. It takes yeah. big money and, and yeah. that school pouring into them that way. And, and for all we know, donors and, and just how much that the, the university is supporting them in that yeah. endeavor to make that a reality. And then Denver developing the following that they have, that they are being able to, to sell, sell tickets and, and get people in the door and invested in gymnastics as a sport that people want to consume now. I think that both of these headlines showcase a growth in NCAA gymnastics, not just in the ones that have established it already, but ones that are continuing to create it. Yep. I couldn't agree more. Um, I think obviously that had a lot to do with how Denver did last year at the national championships and uh, mm-hmm. Nebraska is always a competitive team too. I think like you kind of touched on, they are up and coming and for their universities support them the way they did. 
um, with giving them this new facility, that is huge. That's huge for women's sports. And that's huge for that program because they've been doing great in the facility that they're in. So it could have been easy for them, for the university to kind of just miss, dismiss that, you know, but I love right. that they're supporting them and empowering them and getting behind them on that train of, you know, we want to win a championship. Because another thing that both a new facility and sellout crowds can do is impact recruiting. So now you're really setting the foundation for the future. 100%. I think that was a huge boost for LSU too when we got that new facility. I mean, it was a palace. I mean, it definitely will change the game for recruiting. Yep. Definitely exciting to see and definitely exciting for what it means for both of those programs moving forward. So uh, kudos to both of those universities. All right, McKenna, give us your highlights for this week. Okay, so on Twitter, Taylor and I have really been trying to, you know, implement and encourage you guys to tell us what you want us to hear. I mean, the point of this podcast is to talk about what's wanting to be talked about, right? So I shared on Twitter, you know, hey guys, drop me your highlights and any topics you want us to discuss um, from this week in NCAA gym. And you guys came through, you were awesome. So I'm going to touch quickly on a couple different things that you guys had mentioned or that I saw that were standout. I want to start off by saying I think this past weekend was just a huge gymnastics weekend altogether. I know, obviously, I follow closely with LSU Gymnastics, and I know they had a double meet this weekend. They were in Missouri on Friday, had a home meet on Sunday, and then they're going to be back on the road um, this coming Friday, tomorrow. So um, huge weekend. I think a lot of teams are gearing up for kind of a double header, trying to get used to what that postseason Format's going to look like with regionals a couple days in a row and then nationals, the same thing. So it's important to kind of, you know, replicate what you're going to be seeing in the more important meets now. Um, get those jitters out. It's important for freshmen to understand what your body's going to feel like and mentally how to adjust um, when you've got to compete a turnaround the next day. Um, so, again, I think this past weekend was huge. There were so many highlights and I think so many records were broken and just a lot of good gymnastics along the way. Yeah, I want to start out with Washington Gymnastics. They had a killer standout meet. Um, Ivani Robertson got a perfect 10 on beam. And I just want to mention this. Ivani is a tiny little powerhouse of a gymnast. I'm kind of that way too. I'm not a nasty gymnast and Ivani isn't either. And she comes up here and rocks a beam. So gets that perfect 10. And I think that is so important um, for someone who's so powerful and isn't the, the graceful um, gymnast artistry type that we're used to seeing that normally gets those tens. I love that because she opens the door for other gymnasts like myself and other gymnasts who are shorter and stronger and powerful and, and powers their superpower. Um, she opens the door for those gymnasts to be like, hey, if she can do it, so can I. So Ivani, thank you for setting the pace. Um, congratulations to you that I know that it's a great feeling and it's um, super exciting. Continuing with Washington, we had Geneva Thompson sticks a beautiful vault for a 9925. I think we touched on Washington a couple weeks ago, but they're just one of those teams who's just always there and they're always doing well. They kind of remind yeah. me of Cal Berkeley, um, so, mm. which is a perfect segue into this, actually, because Cal went 197-125. I know Cal has some talented athletes on that team, and the better that they do, the more recruits, better recruits they're going to get. Um, so that's a program to definitely look out for. And then, of course, guys, we have to talk about Oklahoma because they went 49-7-7-5 on vault. Like, I can't even say that without chuckling because I don't. Wow. It's like, it's like they're constantly, it's like a dream. Like, how do you hit six vaults in a row like that? I just, 
It is, they are just their own animal, man. Um, Maggie Nichols with two perfect tens. Um, it's just, I, I cannot believe what they bring to the table. I cannot believe they had a 49.775. I don't, it, it's insane to me that they're still breaking records. If I can remember correctly from what I've seen, just from like what they post with inner squads, I would say most of them are, are one and a halfs. Um, yeah, and, and that's how you get the scores that you want. It's either a perfect full or it's going to be, a 10 start value. Um, and actually that is something else you guys had mentioned to me on Twitter. A lot of you wanted me to talk or want me to talk more about deductions and, um, what that looks like and, and start values. Um, and I definitely, that is something I want to prepare more in, in weeks to come as I thought Taylor and I talked about, we could break down each event and kind of what we're looking for, but to vaguely kind of give you guys a broad perspective in terms of deductions, it's actually funny on my end. I feel like, because as a gymnast, it's not like we have a class where we sit down and we study the rule book. It's kind of like the coach's job is to tell you, okay, these are the requirements you need to get that 10 start value. And this is what you don't want to do. So you don't get deductions. So Kind of like I'm just used to it. I kind of know what I'm going to expect. You know, if, if I, you know, felt if I dropped my arm in a wobble, I can kind of feel to myself, okay, that's going to be like a quarter of a tenth or two and half tenth deduction. It kind of depends on the judge themselves too and their angle that they're seeing. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Maggie having a pretty big fall or a pretty big wobble. Um, and one judge gave her a huge score and it, 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 because the judge looked down apparently at her paper and missed it. So it really kind of just depends, um, on the judge, what they're seeing and how strict they want to be, how lenient they want to be. Um, but if you're seeing like a missed handstand on bars, if it's, there's a range, okay. Picture, picture a clock. Okay. Obviously at the 12 o'clock, that is vertical. That is a true handstand. If you are anywhere between that 55 or that 11 in that 12, that's going to be anywhere between a quarter and a half a tenth. Again, depending on what the judge sees, what they feel like taking. Um, in terms of landing a dismount, small step um, backwards, that's going to be half a tenth. Big step, big hop, that's probably going to be a full tenth. So if you're seeing a beautiful bar routine, um, that has great form, the dynamic is good, the swing is good, maybe they miss one handstand and take a big hop in the dismount, that's probably going to go 9-8 because right there that's anywhere between two tenths to a tenth and a half of a deduction. So it kind of depends. Um, chest down, you're going to see anywhere between a quarter or excuse me, not a quarter, I would say more a full tenth of a deduction. So it's, it's super nitty gritty and there's a lot of details in it. Um, and again, I would love, I, I got a couple people asking that we could break down the deductions and I definitely want to do that. Um, so I think in the, in the few weeks to come, um, we're going to break down event by event, but overall, um, especially in the college world, because you're aiming for more perfection, you're going to see more smaller deductions versus elite world. They're going for the bigger skills. Obviously form does matter, but if your difficulty is high enough in elite, you can get away with it, which is why Simone can still win when she has a fall because her difficulty is so huge. Yeah, that's certainly an aspect that I don't know a ton about, and I do think it's a great topic for us to dive into a little bit more, break it down by apparatus. So everyone definitely be on the lookout for that moving forward. All right, well, I think it's time that we bring in our guest, Bridget Sloan, talk all about her experiences in both the elite world and the college world. We've got a lot to ask her, so let's go ahead and bring her in. All right, everyone, we are back with our wonderful guest for this week. We have Olympian, world champion, and truly 
too many NCAA titles to name. Bridget Sloan, welcome to Chalk Talk. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're so excited that you have joined us. Obviously, McKenna and I have lots of questions for you, so we're just going (laughs) to dive right into it. Bridget is actually in Gainesville, a little homecoming for some work this weekend, so we we appreciate your time. But uh, obviously, you know, you had such an incredible um, elite career, and then you were really one of the first that kind of opted to go the NCAA route. It really wasn't as popular for elite gymnasts as it is now. What potential did you see in that experience that really made you want to pursue college gymnastics? Yeah, it's actually really funny. I feel like my whole getting like recruitment process and then deciding I really wanted to go to college was just so bizarre how it happened. Because leading up, so I didn't actually officially make the commitment to like, okay, I'm going to do college. It wasn't until my junior year of high school, which is so late. And in this day and age, that's so unheard of. (laughs) Um, But I have to give credit to Sam Peshik, who was training with me at the time. She was getting recruited by UCLA. And I believe she had already committed at that point, but we were training together and Miss Val would come in and talk to her and like literally gas her up. And I was like, I want that. I <laughs> want someone to talk to me and be like so excited about having me on the team. Right. And seeing her go through that process, I think is truly why I made the decision. Like maybe I started definitely looking into college at that point. It was like, maybe college gymnastics is the route I should take. I was looking very, I would say loosely at going professional. Um, after 2009, I was like, oh my gosh, I just love world. Let's get money. And then I realized there was like no money. And I was like, mm, let's not do that. <laughs> I remember my parents were like, um, sweetie, no. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I have to thank them for that because my life would be totally different if I had gone that route. But I, so, so I saw Sam go through the whole process and it just looked fun. And I, she was so excited about college. And I think when you're in elite, it can get so it's a, it's kind of like your job and you know, the training can get really, I don't want to say it can get down on you, but like you can get down on yourself sometimes when you're just, you're in this limbo stage of doing the same thing over and over. And you know, you have two to three meets a year. So really it's like you're on a high for very short and then you have to bring it down. So seeing how excited she was to get to college and compete was really inspiring. And then I made the decision my junior year, like, I think I want to try college. Like, I think, I think that's the route I want to go for. So Florida, when I left, I realized, okay, this is definitely the school for me. Not only did I love the campus and I really, I loved the team so much and there were so many highlights to it. But the biggest thing that stood out to me was actually the fact that they had never won a national championship. Hmm, That was something that really, I wanted to be a part of a team and I I wanted to mean something to a team. I didn't want to just be another athlete. Like I wanted to really go on that team and like have an impact in a way, whether that, and to be honest, I had no idea what that impact was going to be. But I think the fact that I got to college and had no expectation of just my expectation was to be a part of the team and help them out as much as I could, be the best team player I could be, and see where it takes me. 
Wow. Well, like we mentioned, you really have had a, a lot of involvement in both the elite and the college world. So would love to get your perspective just on the landscape right now, kind of what is standing out to you in regards to skill and talent level that we're seeing across the board right now? Let's just say that I am so happy I am retired. (laughs) I look at, especially, well, elite. Oh my gosh, I wouldn't even stand a chance. There's no way. (laughs) Right? Oh my gosh. I mean, these athletes are, they're incredible. They're just so incredible. And one thing that I hope people to the, or I guess I should just say the common viewer understands that like, the skills that, and I'm just going to say, Simone Biles does right now. Yeah. Yeah. You are watching history being made. I mean, totally. and it is, it's so cool to watch it. The skills that are happening in elite right now. I mean, it's, it's mind blowing how, and it's not even just the difficulty, but it's the precision of the skills that mm. just blow you away. That It's like you have to be so accurate, and they are. I mean, and well, and I guess what's cool now, too, is that a lot of the elite athletes are going to college, and they're bringing that elite difficulty to college, not necessarily right. to the extent, but you're seeing more and more NCAA, NCAA athletes do elite skills and it's, it's not becoming uncommon. Before right. it was like, you do a Yurchenko double on vault and it was like, are you a psycho? Right. Why would you do that? <laughs> and now it's normal. Like, it, I mean, yeah. it's, don't me wrong. It's very, very impressive. And it is something to highlight, but it's becoming more of the norm. Totally. And, you know, same thing goes for like bars. I think Beam is one of the only events right now that is pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you don't see a whole lot of risk on beam. Now there are definitely some beam routines. So you're like, wow, that's actually an elite connection. Very well done. But floor, you're seeing a lot more. I mean, you're seeing double doubles on floor more double. I mean, double layouts. I don't think those will ever go away, but it's just, it's very cool to see the transition of elite skills being implemented to college routines. Absolutely. Some of it also comes back to though. And just like you said, you're going to see the same skills over and over. So mm-hmm. say you're not the best dancer. You have to set yourself apart some way. Like there has to be something about you, especially, and I always talk about this on floor. Floor is the one event where those judges are going to see the same skills over mm-hmm. and over yeah. and over. So are you going to set yourself apart from being with your artistry? And mm-hmm. Maybe you're not the best dancer. Well, then how are you going to set yourself apart? It's the tumbling. You're seeing bigger tumbling now because, yeah, judges are getting really sick and tired of seeing double pikes, one and a half front layouts, and, you know, a two and a half twist, which I have mentioned. I'm like, you're going to see a lot of the same skills here, but it's it's the execution that is impressive for these athletes and then also just adding the difficulty. That is what is going to set them apart. And that's what's going to kind of carry over once postseason starts. That's really going to be important is how are we going to set ourselves apart from every other routine? Right. That's, that's a really good point. I've never thought about that. I've never thought about that from the judge's perspective of that they're constantly seeing the same gymnastics. Oh, yeah. You mentioned this earlier. You were the 2009 world champion. 
Um, and then woo obviously woo. you were, <laughs> woo woo. and then you were part <laughs> of the 2008 Olympics in Beijing. And then you've had the multiple all American honors in college and multiple tens. If, what were those experiences like? I know college and elite is completely different. It's kind of like comparing apples to oranges, but if you could just like dabble a bit on those experiences. So like the Olympics was hands. I mean, that was like, that wasn't a, Oh, this is my, this is my goal for this year. Like that was a lifetime goal. Um, right. I decided when I was 10, like I wanted to go to the Olympics. So that was a, essentially I started gymnastics at four and went at 16. So it, it was a 12 year goal right there. And it wasn't till I was 10 where I really was like, this is my goal. So that it's hard to really describe that and compare it to college because it was also very individualized. Yes, yeah. I was on a team, but when I was competing, you know, everyone is, everyone is competing for those six spots. Yep. So yes, you have your friends that, you know, Sam and Alicia are two of my very, very good friends right now. And they were on the team with me in 08, but like, you know, Sam and I think back and we're, I always joke. I'm like, yeah, we were definitely like a maybe the whole entire year. Like, <laughs> I don't know how you felt about it, but I'm like, I know for a fact I was a solid, maybe a solid, maybe, but I was <laughs> not guaranteed a spot on that Olympic team. And so the, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like making the Olympic team was just so individualized. Yeah. And once you made the team, don't get me wrong, once you made the team, like you had, you, you would think that all this weight would be lifted off your shoulders, but then you realize like, oh crap, now yeah, I actually yeah. have to like do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was a whole new pressure. So you had pressure making the team and then you had pressure actually competing. And then winning worlds is actually probably one of the most impressive accomplishments I've ever had simply because it was truly me. I right, mean, there yeah. was no team score. There was nothing like it was me and my routines and myself. And I am so happy that I decided to continue training after 08 because everyone took time off and everyone and there was just something I was still really healthy. And there was just something deep down that I was like, I feel like I can make something else happen. Wow. And I'm so, so thankful that I did. Um, so winning, winning worlds was just it was a goal of mine that really after the Olympics, you kind of think, okay, well now I have this identity as an Olympian. That's so great. I'm so excited, but now what? Um, mm -hmm. So making that goal to win worlds was a very, I don't want to say short-term goal, but in retrospect it was because it was kind of like after a wait, I was like, okay, now I want to win worlds. And, you know, we ended up accomplishing that goal. And then I go to college and I have no goals. Like literally my goals were to be a part of the team and to stay healthy. That was my goal. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I think me not making the Olympics in 2012 is why I had such a good mindset going into college. I've never thought about this, but huh. having that heartbreak, college was like the light at the end of the tunnel for me. Aww. Like I was... Wow so ready and so excited to go to college and I just wanted to have I wanted to fall in love with the sport again I think after that year I was just so over gymnastics and it, I feel like everyone goes through that with a sport but for me specifically 2012 I was just like this sport sucks like 
Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, I didn't make the team. And I was like, this sport is the worst sport ever. I was like, I'm so done with it. Right. You know, and you have your pity, you have your pity party for yourself. Yeah. And then you stand up and realize, all right, I'm being so Ridiculous. dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> there, there is so much more to life than gymnastics. And then, and I had the opportunity to kind of find the love for competing and for gymnastics and for being a part of a team, I had this whole new appreciation in college. You know, gymnastics truly identity, like I, my identity was a gymnast. Absolutely. One million yeah. percent. And I finished up and I was kind of like, huh, now what? And yeah. you really have to be open to opportunities going into college where you have to be even more open to opportunities post-college. I mean, that's mm-hmm. when you really figure out what what's next for you goal-wise career-wise all these things and you know I think what's important is that student athletes are given so many tools I wish I would have taken in all the tools when I was at Florida and not been a lazy bum sometimes and I'm like oh career fair no I'm like why didn't I go (laughs) right yes like I'm like why wasn't I in I mean, don't get me wrong. We figured it out eventually, but I'm like, man, the first six months after college would have been so much easier if I had just, you know, put myself (laughs) out there just a little bit. Um, But I mean, if you're, if you're open to opportunities, it really is crazy what can happen. How they find you. Yeah, absolutely. And totally the work ethic that you guys develop during your time in the sport really translates well. You just kind of have to be open to it and and willing to hit the ground running, which you certainly have done. You're uh, in the television side of things now, actually doing some commentating for the SEC Network, and uh, we know there will be a lot more good things to come from you. Bridget, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today. No problem. Thanks, guys. Well, everybody, that does it for us here on Chalk Talk this week. As always, thank you so much for listening to us. Make sure you subscribe. Don't miss an episode. Tell your friends, tell your teammates. Make sure everyone that you know and love is listening to us here on Chalk Talk. We're going to try and make this thing bigger and better each week, so you won't want to miss it. Everybody have a great week. We'll talk next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.